0: It's very, very predictable. You know, based on their why, how, and what, what you're gonna have as a friend, what you're gonna have as a team member, what you're gonna have as the boss, if they're your boss, what you're gonna have as a spouse.
1: You're listening to the Elevate Podcast and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Simon Sinek, regardless of what we do in our lives, our why never changes. My guest today, Gary Sanchez, has helped many exceptional leaders find their why. He's the founder of the Why Institute, where he and his team have worked with hundreds of thousands of individuals, as well as hundreds of companies, from small yoga studios to Fortune 500 companies to help them discover their core motivation in life. Gary and his team have also developed nine why archetypes and the why assessment, which any person can take, which tons of companies have used, and is a leadership development tool that we use at Acceleration Partners. So, Gary, thank you for joining us on the Elevate Podcast.
0: Awesome! Thanks for having me on here, Robert. I appreciate uh, the time with you.
1: Yeah, um, you know this is definitely one of my favorite subjects. Uh, you know, we as a company and myself, I think over the years have done. All kinds of assessments, tests, different things, and I haven't found anything as powerful or predictive of, of behavior, and I would say sort of interpersonal communications as, as understanding the why.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting because you, you use the word assessment, right? And so I want to clarify that right up front because there's okay. assessments, there's tests, there's surveys, there's quizzes, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a discovery, so the difference is you take a test, there's like 10 questions, you answer them, you get a score, and that's who you are. The Y Discovery, which you used, has over 1,500 possible questions. And then the new YOS Discovery has over 4,000. And as you answer a question, it wipes away the ones that you don't need to answer so that it's super accurate every time. You know, there's 1,500 questions, but you only had to answer about 12 to get to yeah. your Y and maybe 30 to get to your YOS, your why, how, and what. And um, so it's very accurate, as you were saying, but it gets to the heart of why does Robert do what Robert does?
1: That's what everyone wants to know. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I wanted to know. We'll, We'll get into your background, but let's set the table on this just for people who this is totally new to. So how would you just explain the why concept overall to someone who is unfamiliar with it?
0: Perfect. Well, you know how there's so many people who struggle with trying to figure out who they are and why they do what they do. And when they try to do it, they get overwhelmed because there's so many options and choices. There's assessments like Myers-Briggs, Colby, Strength Finder. There's coaches, consultants. There's what people say on social media that can really overwhelm them. And when really, all they need to know is what is my first step? And so I believe that the first step in self-awareness is discovering your why. And we take it even farther, which is discovering your YOS, which is your why, your how, and your what. So it's why you do what you do, how you bring that to life, and what it is that other people can count on from you. And when you can say it, when you can articulate it, that's when you know it, that's when you can use it. So the YOS discovery, which is the software that we created, discovers your why, how, and what, and creates your message for you in about eight minutes. Super accurate, works every time. And it really gives you that instant clarity, that confidence and that certainty as to who are you and how do you articulate that to the world? It's your internal motivation and it's also your external message that you can use personally and for your business. So we can talk a little bit about about that later as well.
1: And it's consistent, right? I mean, it is consistent across your personal, professional, family life. Yeah, it's just the essence of who you are. Okay, so what, how did you get into this line of work? I, I think before this, I, I think you were a dentist, is that correct? Yes. <laughs> so what, what was all the right. path to dentistry and why there's got to be a good story behind all of this?
0: So what happens to most people when they're in high school and the counselors say, so uh, where are you going to go to school, Gary or Robert? And you, for in, at least in my case, I was like, well, I don't know. Well, what are you going to major in? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just went off to the University of Colorado in Boulder because my friends went there and it looked like a lot of fun. Right. So I ended up going there. And then you've got to, within a couple of years, figure out what your major going to be. How do you pick that? Right. I have no idea, unless you were born knowing what you want to do for most of us, at least in my case, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just majored in the, in the subject that I had the best grade in, which was biology. Right. So that takes a little pressure off of you for a while until they finally say, "Okay, what are you going to do with your biology degree? Yeah. Now, I don't know. So I just chose dentistry because my dad was a dentist and I knew the lifestyle. And I said, let me give it a shot. So off to USC dental school. I go in in 1984 and I actually really liked it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Graduated. And the advice that I was given back then from the gurus was build a great product and people will come. Right? Go out and do the best job you can, and people will naturally and mysteriously find out about you. So I spent 20 years doing that. I went to the highest levels you could get to in dentistry. I built a beautiful office, really well-trained team. I had all the stuff, all the technology, all the gadgets. I had a great product, but I still blended in with everybody who said they were a dentist. And it killed me. I had worked so hard. And I got so burnt out that I was just ready to quit. I said, I either got to find a better way or I'm going to quit this. And did, I went did out and hired a coach. you enjoy it?
1: Well, you were like, when you were doing it, did you enjoy it? I know you got burnt out, but did you, you were good at it, but you didn't enjoy it?
0: I was good at it and I enjoyed it, but I didn't get the success that I thought would come along with it. I didn't get the accolades. I, my practice didn't grow like I thought it would. People got used to the way we did things. And I can tell you, we did things at a very high level, but people just got used to it. They didn't want to go to a party, Robert, and say, "Hey, look at these great veneers Dr. Sanchez made for me." Right? They wanted people to say, "You got a great smile," and them say, "Oh, thank you." And it, and they didn't talk about us and promote us like I was expecting or or was told you, was to di- You were their dirty
1: little secret.
0: <laughs> I was their dirty little secret. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's when I went out and hired a coach. I hired a guy by the name of John Assaraf. And and through him, I learned how to use the internet. I learned how to do websites, drip campaigns, SEO. I learned how to tell everybody how great I was, right? But the only problem was, what am I going to say? What am I going to say that separates me from everybody else who does what I do? What am I going to say that doesn't make me sound desperate or like I actually need new patients coming in? What am I going to say that doesn't, Give me a bad image, and since I didn't know what to say, I just stayed quiet until one day I heard John Aceroff interview Simon Sinek. This was back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. So I heard this interview, and he talked all about the Golden Circle concept and why, how, what, and how you, and how successful organizations and and inspiring people start with why then tell you how they do what they do, and lastly, what it is they do that connects to you in a different way that allows you to make a decision because it feels right. And I was like, man, that's what I'm missing. I got a great what, but I don't know my why. So I called Simon and I said, Simon, I need you to help me discover my why. So he and I spent about eight months going back through my life looking for clues as to why I do what I do. He didn't really have a a good process for it, but we just kept working and kind of hashing our way through until I finally figured out that my why is to find a better way and then share it. Once I realized that, Robert, man, my life made so much sense to me.
1: This is why you were so frustrated. You were finding a better way in your dental practice, but no one knew about it.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And it wasn't giving me what I thought it would for how much I put into it. I had never worked so hard at something and not gotten the results that I thought I would. It was killing me. I was like, what am I gonna do now? I did what the experts said. Built a great product, but I wasn't getting the results that I thought I would. Individually, with patients I was, but my practice wasn't growing. We were just barely getting by, and it was very frustrating. We were getting, for my brother and I that practiced together, we were getting four to six new patients a month, and that's just barely surviving. I'm like, why am I working so hard and just barely surviving? But once I learned about that why, how, what concept, and we stopped talking about what we do crowns, bridges, fillings, complete gum care, all that stuff. And we started talking about why we do what we do and what we believe, that we believe that life is better when you have great teeth. In fact, you can't have a good life if you have bad teeth. We completely changed the way we talked internally and externally, the messaging that we sent to the world, our website, everything was around our why. Our practice took off and the right people started coming to us, those people that believe what we believe. So I found a better way. Right now, I've got this better way to talk about my practice. And I wanted to share it. So I started getting calls from other dentists saying, hey, can you because I was in all these study groups with dentists and I'd say, they say, can you help me do what you're doing? So I went back and figured out what Simon was trying to do. And I made it better. Instead of taking six or eight or 10 months to help someone discover their why, I could sit down with you in about an hour, take you through a series of questions, figure out what your why was, build your messaging, marketing, and branding right there on the spot, and then off you go getting the same results I do. I used to do this on stages, Robert. I would bring somebody out of the audience up on stage with me, discover their why in front of everybody, build their messaging, marketing, and branding right there, and then they would implement that into their business and get the same results.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people will, and I know I, I was a little confused. Kind of, when I first met you again. Hey, but Simon, doing you're doing, and it, you know, so Simon wrote this. You know, he brought the attention to everyone and wrote this incredible book, Start with Why, which got everyone like on board, right, with with doing it. And then it was like, okay, now go figure it out. Or I don't remember what the other book was called. Go find it. But like, it was open ended, and I think that's a that kind of sent people on an impossible mission. I mean, most of these other Systems, whatever you want to call them, there's some closed-ended variables that, well, they may not be right. You're trying to, am um, my more of a D or an S or an I or, or whatever it is? So this was your big kind of breakthrough on, on on the archetypes, right? In terms of you know putting yourself into one of the archetypes. I, I always just felt like Simon opened the door really well, but then he kind of left people with this mission impossible of. And open. It's kind of like if you said, Hey, go figure out your core values. Like I, I, you know, we've done a lot of work together. I built a core values course, but I had to take a process that took me two years of fuddling through it, you know, teach it, practice it three or four times with other people, fix all the things and then say, Oh, here's the process that'll let you do this in a month, not, you know, two years, because when something's open-ended like that, I think it, it's really hard for most people.
0: I love the way you said that because that's exactly what the problem was. Think about this for a minute, all you that are listening. If everything you do, the, your direction, your passion, your messaging, marketing, branding of your business is based on your why, do you think it's important that you get it right? Do you think you, it's important that you know what it is? And so just exactly what you said, and this is what happened when Simon and I were working together. We got somewhere but we didn't get to where I am now. We got in the vicinity of this, but not like the actual wording. Well,
1: I they're, out, they're because the possibilities were also endless, right?
0: The possibilities were endless. And if you don't know you're there, how valuable is that? Yeah. If you aren't clear on what your why is and you're just gonna area, what are you gonna do with that? And that was the problem that I had. I had to have, what the heck is my why? I don't want to know about it or around it, or maybe that's it, or it's kind of this or sort of that, or I needed to know what is it. And that's when I figured out that it was to find a better way and share it. And so then I went out and started helping so many other people do the same thing. I found a better way. I wanted to share it. I did
1: it for free. How did did you help them? You just did, again, this was, it. still open-ended. Was it just kind of consulting and you'd ask the right questions or- When did the archetypes come into play?
0: That's a a great question. I was working with this big group of lawyers in Florida. I was asked if I could come speak to this group. It'd be about 45 minutes. And then i bring somebody on stage with me and help them discover their why. Sure, I'll do that. I get there. I bring somebody out of the audience. We take them through discovering their why. 14 hours later, I get off the stage because everyone wanted to come up and do that. But halfway through the day, this one lawyer raised her hand and she said, Hey, uh, Gary, how many whys are there? I never thought of that. Never thought of that until she asked me. And then I started keeping track of all the whys that I discovered. And I started keeping track of what people were saying. And that's when I figured out. There's only nine different whys. And the, the names of the nine whys came from what people were saying. Not my interpretation of what they said, not me vanillaizing or garyizing it or whatever. So you went it back and actual...
1: looked at the notes and looked at the themes and looked at the words? Yes. I was, so it, it didn't touch any history, social science, psychology, because I know there's some historical buckets and things. So this was just completely, I've talked to 400 people and these nine themes come up all the time.
0: Yeah. And it was more like thousands of people, but yes. Every patient that came in, if you were sitting next to me on an airplane, you're getting your why discovered. Well, you're getting numb in my chair. You're getting your why discovered. And I did this so many times. So just like in everyone's business, they start to see things the rest of us wouldn't see, right? If you come in as, as my dental patient, I can look in your mouth and in seconds, I know exactly what's going on and what to do. Whereas if you looked in someone's mouth, you would have no idea what you're looking at. The same thing happened here. I did it so many thousands of times that I started to hear the same stories, same things, same patterns, over and over and over. And as I would keep track of them, they all fit into these nine categories. And that's where Have it all came from. Have you looked throughout
1: from. history or anything to see if this aligns with any other discipline? No, I was just. I curious. specifically yeah.
0: did not. I did not want to get jaded. I did not want to read anything anyone else was doing. I just wanted to see, okay, what shows up? And that's what showed up. And now we've done it so many, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times now. And it's just repeatable. It works every single time. So you haven't been tempted
1: to add add a tenth because I know it's a better way person, you know, leaving those alone must hurt you.
0: I know. And did you know this? I, I didn't know this. On my podcast, I had Paul Allen who was, um, really involved with, well, he, he, he started ancestry.com, but he was really involved with strength finders. Yeah. That's exactly how strength finders came about as well. The same path that I was on. And I didn't, I didn't even know that. And most of the uh, assessments came exactly this same way. It's not going into a lab and trying to figure out on test subjects, uh, information like this. It's in actual real world examples. And that's how they came up with, uh, all the strength finders stuff, the Colby, all that. Very, very similar,
1: they which I didn't know until responses. he told me that. All right. So yeah. give us uh, a quick summary of the nine whys and maybe what, including the best one, you know, which we share. <laughs> and then, and then, and then I, I know they go, I know there's ones that are much more common and then, and less common. And then maybe like what that person does well, what that person struggles with. I think that'd be helpful. If you want to want to do yeah. a quick, quick top to bottom.
0: Yeah, so the first why, so if you have a piece of paper and a a pen or pencil, the first why is contribute, contribute. So write down contribute. To contribute to a greater cause, add value, have an impact in the lives of others. These are people that want to help. They don't have to be the focus, but they want to contribute in a meaningful way. They use their time, their money, their energy, their connections to push other people forward. Oftentimes, they feel like they should be in the background helping others do better, but when you put them in a leadership role, they do extremely well. The most successful person I've ever worked with, both financially and relationship wise, has this why. He was the CEO of a company called T Row Price, he had 6,000 employees. He took it from 12 billion to 565 billion. And I asked him, his name was Todd Rupert. I said, Todd, why do you feel like you've been so successful? And he said, I believe the secret to my success is that I personally interviewed everyone that works for me, and I have 6,000 employees. He said, I know how to help each one do just a little bit better. And when we all do a little bit better, that's when our company does better.
1: I'm going to ask you the opposite. So what does a contribute person struggle with? You know, every, every strength is a, has a weakness. So when they over-index, how does it become a weakness?
0: So the, the weakness or the challenge that comes with the why yeah. of contributors is they overcommit to too many things. They, they can't say no. They say yeah. yes to too many things, and they often can't even get their own stuff done because they're helping so many other people. They put everybody else first right? So they're overwhelmed quite a bit. So the, the second why is trust, to create relationships based upon trust, to be the trusted source, to be the one that others can count on. They often educate themselves to very high levels so that they can be trusted. If you can trust them and they can trust you, sky's the limit. There's nothing you can't do. But here's the challenge with it. If you break their trust, you'll probably not get it back. Yeah. So if you have an appointment with somebody with the uh, Y of trust at 2 o'clock, what time do you think you ought to show up?
1: You should right? show up at one fifty eight or, or 2. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen this as we've done leadership training because leaders who are trust have to explain to their team that, and usually I've found if you have a Y of trust, you had some core trust violation in your life. And so what they don't realize is that person being two minutes late to the meeting is triggering like deep issues of, of trust within that manager.
0: And if you question them, like in front of a group, they're not going to like that because what does that say to them? What, you don't trust me? Yeah. You don't think I'm going to get this done? You don't think I researched it? Because they have. And they, they can't say things if they're not true. Yeah. So that's the second why. The third why is make sense. Make sense to make sense out of things, especially if complex and complicated. These are people that you can dump all your stuff onto them and they can quickly synthesize it down to that thing that's keeping you stuck, help you understand it and move forward by helping you solve your problems. And they do it very, very fast. They're often the ones that um, can move and make decisions quickly, even if they don't have all the information. They're like, hit me, hit me. Okay, I got it. Let's go. Here's where we're going. So they move really fast and they have a very high capacity. And now, I, the say, I'll throw in my,
1: I was just going to say, I'll throw in my own experience. There's a yes. tell. It makes sense. People say it. They end sentences with it all the time because we have a ton. When you say something to them and they got it and they are there a little bit, that makes sense. It is. And once you point it out to them, they hear themselves saying it all. It's like their love language. It's like, you got me. Yeah.
0: So those of you that are listening can tell that Robert knows this stuff well. Uh, where I'm amazed how well, you know, you're, it's like talking to myself, talking to you, because you know, this stuff, you, you've seen it over and over and over. And like you said, you have a lot of make sense people in your organization. The challenge that comes with that is that they're often so good at doing things that everything does get dumped onto them. They do get, because they're faster than me. So in, like in my case, I would say, well, somebody with why of make sense can do this better, faster, quicker than I am. Why would I want to do it? I'm going to yep. just give it to them. So you keep giving things to them, they keep taking it on, and then they end up becoming the bottleneck that holds you back because their capacity ends up being the capacity of the business.
1: So I, the I've fourth also found why, they, don't, they don't like ambiguity. They, they're good with different pieces, but if they're not clear what they're being asked to do, they get super frustrated.
0: <laughs> you
1: got it. Because better ways, know, other... to, better ways tend to frustrate them, in my, in my experience. For sure. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time, and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The other challenge
0: that makes sense people can have is they they can oftentimes come off as the know-it-all because they do know a lot and they do have a high capacity and they can do things faster than we can. So it kind of can and they can, struggle
1: at delegation because they're so good at solving people's problems that people bring them their problems.
0: Yes, all day long, every day. So the fourth why, which is both of our whys, is a better way to find a better way and share it. So these are people that are good at taking something that's already there and innovating it, improving upon it, making it better. We always come to things with the perspective of how can we improve upon this? So that's the great side to it. The challenge is we're rarely satisfied. We're always trying to improve things and that can bother some people that are, hey, this is already working and you and I are trying to make it better. And they're like, well, why are we making this better? It already works. Well, because we need to make it better, right? We want things always better. And so how does your team handle that?
1: uh, Yeah, they tend to, I think my experience is better way people tend to exhaust themselves, their family and their employees. the colleagues yeah we can be irritants right often what'd you say oh, it's often please never satisfied is that the often please
0: there? never satisfied but we can be irritants because we're always trying to improve things somebody brings something to us it's hard how hard is it for you to not want to improve something that was brought to you impossible impossible
1: i've added That's i've what... added a comment to each one of the lies you've already said right
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So here's how to how to get around that for those of you that have to deal with people uh, like Robert and myself is when you bring something to us, tell us that you're bringing us a draft. You're not bringing us the final product because we're gonna we're gonna change it anyway. So here's my latest draft. Oh, okay. Well, let me look at it, and then we can improve upon it, feeling good, and you can feel good about it because it was just a draft. You don't want to bring us a final product because we're gonna want to improve that too, which is tough on you. So the the fifth why is right way, right way. To do things the right way in order to get results. These are structure, process, systems people. They find things that work and they stick to them. They take all these ideas that Robert and I have, and they put structure around making them predictable and consistent. So these are great people to have on your team to get things done for you. They are good at saying no. No, we're not doing that. We said, we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to get it done. And we're not going to vary until we get it there. So these are great people for that. The challenge that comes with that is they can often be very uh, rigid and maybe not see if something is better. And they can clash oftentimes with better way and make sense people because they're focused in on what you said and what we're going to do. And they don't want to vary from it.
1: Yeah, You got something to add? Yeah, my experience. Two things I've noticed, having had a family full of right way people, and and in work, is that they have to be convinced. They'll want to change their mind, but they have to be convinced it's the right thing to do. These are the people you want on your on your healthcare proxy to pull the plug or not pull the plug because they're going to go through that mechanics. But the other huge thing is that they actually can't make simple decisions. They bring this right way apparatus to you know this decision making thing to simple things where they just can't make, they're actually fairly indecisive, unless they're sure it's the right thing to do, which is great on a big decision. Um, but on like pizza versus Chinese food, it is uh, my my son and wife are, are right way and watching them decide what to order for dinner is like, as a better, I have to leave the room as a better way person. It's like an <laughs> hour fiasco. <laughs> I love so that. that's in my experience. There's a paradoxical thing, I think, in that like, Again, in the same way, the better way people sometimes can't leave it alone, like right way people can't, like don't know how to not bring that decision making apparatus to a very trivial decision.
0: I love that. Okay. So the next why so the sixth why is challenge, challenge to challenge the status quo and think differently. These are people that don't follow the rules don't follow the recipe don't draw in the line inside the lines they do things their own way they challenge authority they have the courage just to stick up for the underdog and push the limits and so oftentimes these are the easiest to recognize because you'll see them with the purple hair or they're just outside the box so they're great to have on your team if you want to think differently Steve Jobs uh, Richard Branson herb Kelleher they all had that why these are the ones that, imagine extraordinary, and they're willing to go try it. The challenge that comes with that is if they look at their why as a gift, they do extremely well. But if they look at their why as a curse, they medicate to try to get away from themselves because they don't think like we do. They can't follow the same paths that we can. Um, It's really hard for them to understand why am I so different than everybody else? Because they really are. And so, Have you got some, uh, would you like to add something to that? Well, I was just going to
1: say my my experience in the organizational level, these people are either usually most likely to be fired or be on a performance improvement plan and then go start their own business. Because, you know, like you said, it's helped they are just don't like to follow rules. So it's it's such a balance between being the great idea person in the organization. But we had one years ago who, and, and we're still friends with, he just, every six months, he'd kind of throw a grenade into everything like and just just stir up trouble and piss everyone off um i also have a child who's a a, a challenge to the status quo and everything is a battle
0: yes there you go that's exactly it everything is a battle they do not make good employees but they make great visionaries. <laughs> great
1: entrepreneurs yeah
0: yes so the uh seventh why is mastery to seek mastery and understanding. These are people that take the simple and make it complex by diving in really deep. And they're they're looking for the nuances, the little things that make a big difference. So for most people, cooking a scrambled egg is three steps. For somebody whose why is mastery and is into scrambled eggs, it could be 28 steps because they know everything. I actually had breakfast made for me one morning by a gentleman whose why was mastery. And it was 28 steps. I just couldn't believe how many steps there were to it. Things I had no idea about. You know, I didn't know there was a specific way that you have to crack an egg in order to do it correctly. I didn't know there was a specific number of times you stir the egg before you can add anything else to it. There was so much I didn't know. It was fascinating. So they're really good at depth and details. They're not really good at moving fast because they want more and more and more information. So that's the challenge that comes with them.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've had less experience with these, but I've seen is that they don't, You know, sometimes I think they could be seen by a spouse or something as sort of a sandbagger because they're really good at some things, but they almost don't wanna do anything if they don't know how to master it. So they just kind of will quit other things right away. And, and I think that's confusing for people. Like, you know, a a world-class surgeon or something who then was like, I don't know. I can't figure out this thing. And they get frustrated and they walk away from it.
0: So I'll give you an example. This one gal that I I had on my podcast and she um, told me that her why is mastery. And she told me that she got a new puppy and she's going to be training her new puppy. And I said, great. What have you done so far? And she goes, well, I've read six books and I've taken three online courses. And I said, great. How's the training going? She said, well, I haven't started yet. yet. I'm like, what do you mean you haven't started yet? I don't have enough information. So they need a lot of information to be able to move forward. But if you then wanna learn about training a puppy, there'll be nobody better because of how much information that she knows. So the eighth why is clarify. Clarify, to create clarity and make things crystal clear. So you can imagine this person sitting on a fence trying to figure out which way they're going to go, but they're not going to move until they are crystal clear. So the first thing that happens is they want to be clear on what was the question first. And then once they're clear on the question, then they want to be clear on the answer and they want to be fully heard and fully understood. So they're the one that writes you the long email or the long text, because how could I possibly make it clear in just a few sentences they're the one that asks a lot of questions in order to get clear. But once they are, they're ready to go. So if you want to make sure a communication is clear or things are said right, they're awesome to have on your team for that. Again, if you want to move fast, not so good because they're going to want to ask a lot of questions. Uh,
1: the, I'm laughing at the email thing because I <laughs> I, I worked with a, a clarify person and who who and you know a a two sentence ask would be met by a twenty page email of questions back. And, and it can get very frustrating, right? I, I think again, better way, clarity, like that's one of those, like let's just move it along here. So I one hundred and ten percent agree with everything you said
0: so an example would be, I had a patient that I know his why was clarify. And so while he was sitting in the chair, he had a ton of questions for me. On his way home, he texted me a bunch of questions. And then when he got home, he emailed me a bunch more questions. And so it'll just keep going like that. So how you handle that is you have to say to them, what exactly is it you need in order to be clear? Because what will happen is you'll just keep answering question after question after question after question until you find that one thing. Okay, that's what I needed. Well, instead of waiting for that, just ask them, okay, what exactly is it you need in order to be clear? Oh, I need this. Okay, here it is. Great. Now we can move. So that's how you would handle that situation. The last why is simplify, to make things simple and easier to do. And so these are people that take the complex, they're almost the opposite of mastery. They take the complex and break it down to its simplest form. Because when it's simple, it's easy for everyone to do. They want things direct to the point. Don't give them the fluff. Don't give them a paragraph. Just give them the bullet points. You don't want to overwhelm them. They're the person that sits in a meeting and probably doesn't say much until the end. And then you say, so, so what did you think? And they quickly summarize what everybody's been saying for the last three hours. They simplify it down to just a couple
1: of things. Uh, yeah. Again, I had not as much to simplify. I do remember when we we're doing this, a couple of people on the team, one of the tests is to ask them to describe their closet. I, I've seen like a couple times, like it's just, oh, there's only like four things and they're organized like that. Like it, it's very, it, it, your, their organization systems show up and, and simplify, I think.
0: These are awesome people to have on your team because think about this for a minute. Is it better to be complex or better to be simple? So if it's complex, how many people can actually do it? If it's simple, how many people can do it? So on my podcast, I had this gentleman who was a race car driver, and, I, and his why was simplified. So I asked him, have you simplified race car driving? And he said, yep, I got it down to three things. There's only three things that I do, and if I do those three, three things, I'm going to come in as one of the top racers, which he does every time. He's And I, I wish I could remember him, but it was you know three very simple things. And he says, that is all I do. That's all I think about. And if I do those three things, it's going to work out great. And he had simplified his business to the point where he never even needed to go because he'd got everything down to just a couple of steps. So that's why they're really good to have on your team because they can do the same thing for you. Make it simple, easy to understand. Anybody can do it and we'll get great results. So those are the nine whys. And so I know if you're listening, what's going through your mind right now. Because what you're going to be saying is, I think I'm more than one of them. When I speak at events and we talk about the nine whys, invariably, somebody raises their hand and says, hey, uh, you know, I think I'm more than just uh, the one that came up for me. And the answer is you are. You're all nine of them. In fact, one of the nine whys is your why. One of the nine whys is your how. And one of the nine whys is your what. So in my case, my why is to find a better way and share it. How I do that is by making things clear and understandable. And ultimately, what I bring is a simple solution to help others move forward. So my why is better way, my how is clarify, and my what is simplify. And so that's how you put it all together. And and we could go all the way nine levels deep. The YOS discovery goes nine levels deep, but it really only tells you your top three, which is your why, how, and what. So...
1: It makes Yeah, sense. and, and, and uh, just a couple, uh, just comment and then, and then a funny story to share on this. But I think <laughs> there's understanding yourself. And then I think in a relationship or an organizational capacity, I have found that when you understand the other persons, where you are having communication problems, where you are having, to me, is the ultimate sort of test on of communication where problems. I mean, it, those of us in our organization that know we had a new leader come on board. Uh, struggling with a conversation with someone else, I said, I, I figured out her why in about two minutes. And I said, this is the other person's why. By the way, you have the same why as me. I've worked with this other person forever. This is, and she's like, oh, it all makes sense now. Like, like it, it really, it's just super powerful on that. So when I was actually trained on this, when we did it originally with someone, I think that you had trained, I didn't know you, but trained it. So a couple of things. I, I, I was good, I've been trained that week and I had done 40 of them. I was really good. And we went away with like, Four couples for the weekend, and so I was having a ton of fun. So I did all their whys. and then I would look at the two whys. and I'd be like, "This is why you fight." And and I would I would pick what's the illogical problem intersection of those two whys. and they'd be like, "Yeah, those are totally like the the issues that we fight over." And so it, it was very funny. The other thing that you know we've done, Jamie Dorigi does this um, with us. I know you know Jamie really well, and we do this with our up and coming leaders. And he and I have noticed. Here's the thing that's hysterical. So Jamie presents this. He presents all the wives. And, and then after he presents all the archetypes and how it worked and we're going to break out, people start asking questions and making statements. And the you know better way people, um, they, they have an idea for three new uh, slides. The contribute people want to know how they can do this with their teams. The make sense people are the last people to ever get their whys, know what it is, and they are so frustrated. The clarity people just want to explode, you know, whatever. The challenge, the status quo people, I've had it twice. They're like, this is stupid. Like this whole thing's dumb. And the, the right way people are like, are convinced there's not one why. You can't put me in a box. It's like absolutely hysterical if you yeah. just recorded everyone's response to the actual presentation on it. And then I went back and looked at it. We didn't even have to do all the work. I could just look at what, and it makes sense. People are always the last people to figure it out. They're frustrated. They can't decide between two. It's just really funny.
0: Yeah, it's predictable is what you're you're saying, right? I mean, it's very, very predictable. You know, based on their why, how, and what, what you're going to have as a friend, what you're going to have as a team member, what you're going to have as the boss, if they're your boss, what you're going to have as a spouse. Because you were saying that you were doing this with couples. So how was that working?
1: Uh well I just would figure it out and then I would say that. But but I my wife and I did it together. It was just like a cheap party trick. Um uh, my, my wife and I originally did it together, you know. So I, you know, I am better way and she is right way. That is one of the more combustible. So you could here, why don't you explain for people? I don't even tell you, I talk about this in my upcoming book, what the dynamic between between the two of us is.
0: Okay, so I'll give you an example. Uh, my niece has the why of right way. She was the school teacher. And every year for the summer, she would take a group of kids with her to Turkey to teach English. Four years in a row, knew where to go, the flights, where to stay, where to eat, everything, set it all up perfect. One, the last year, she decides to bring her husband with her. Her husband's why is better way. So, how do you think that worked out for them, right? Every single place they went. Well, why are we here? That one would be better. We could take a better flight. We could stay at a better hotel. Everything she'd already planned out and already figured out, he wanted to make better. They could not stand each other. The dynamics just doesn't work very well when somebody already knows what they want and doesn't want to make it better. But what they learned, so they were ready for divorce after that because you know we can never travel together, we can never have fun together. He's always trying to make things better. But once they figured out what their why, why's were back then, she could just look at him and just smile. When he's doing his better way thing, she would just smile at him and he's like, oh, I'm doing it again, aren't I? And, and they could have fun with it. Like I bet you and your wife can have fun with it now versus battle over it beforehand.
1: I don't know that we have fun with it. I would say we use the language, which is helpful. So she will say, I made these plans. Please do not make them better. Right. Or, or, or this is, I spent a lot of time on this. And that's code word for like, please leave it alone. And and I will say to her on one of these, you know, Chinese versus pizza like hour discussions with my son, like, there is no wrong choice here. Like, you know, or at the store. So, So it's funny. She, when she and my son will go to the store together, they're both right ways. They come back with all of the things or none of the things. So they either couldn't decide what was right, so they didn't buy any of them, or they bought eight and then they're going to decide which seven, you know, they're going to return. It's very, <laughs> it's very funny when the two of them get together. So yeah, we we have used that language for years, and it's helpful. And even in the company, I think people will like look. I don't make this better. And 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 you know, we talked about this, but I think the weakness of all, you know, to me, when you go 105 degrees, you know, past zero on a weakness, it becomes a strength. I have to realize. In the organization, if I try to make everything better all the time, nothing will actually get better because I'll just exhaust and annoy everyone. So I I always say you have to kind of hack your why and say, look, if I actually want things to get better, I need to pick a couple things to get focused on. I've given the same advice to those make sense why people who are struggling to, to delegate, and I was like, I'm like, you have to change your reward center from you making sense of it to feeling good that your team is making sense of things, right? Cause you got to sort of flip it around. So you, you know, you have to, you kind of learn what it looks like when you throttle it too high.
0: So let's, let me ask you a question then. If everything you see, you can make better or want to make better, or you're like almost compulsive about making it better. How do you stop that? And when do you stop? For those people that have the why a better way.
1: Yeah, I think what I have had to learn is like, again, it doesn't matter. So for example, like if I'm in a water park and I am watching like how they are feeding the tubes back up to the top, and we're in this huge line because like it's driving me crazy, right? But I'm not going to fix the water park. It doesn't matter in my life. So so I, I think it becomes the things that really, you know, hit your values or your goals or the things where you're like, look, I am. I'm not willing to put my name on this product going out the door because it is not good and could be better. I I, I think I, I have to focus on the things that I control and impact me and my brand and not not the other things that where, again, by, you know, the, the, the 16 year old at the water park doesn't want to hear an operations lecture, you know, <laughs> from me about why the line could be half as much if they would get the tubes up a different way. I'm literally, this I'm remembering a, hard... a visceral memory of this, like, <laughs> like the way that they were like the lines out the door. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's because look, what, look at how they're doing these tubes. Like, it's just so obvious.
0: <laughs> so can you tell somebody something? Can you give somebody advice? Can you sell something that's not better?
1: No, I, I, I don't feel good about it if I know it is inferior or could be better. And I get, yeah. in, in team discussions, I get really frustrated so my, I, I get the uh, that my how is uh, or maybe my what is contribute. So that's the mechanism, right? But I don't contribute unless someone wants to get better. I always say a contribute person. If you just came by and gave five dollars to the homeless person, you'd feel good about yourself, right? If I if I gave five dollars to someone and they didn't do anything with it or they didn't try to get better and they were there the next day, I would have no, uh, you know, enjoyment uh, from that. So. You know, for me, like I I get really frustrated with people who are not willing to get better. If they want to get better, I'll give them endless time and and resources.
0: So, for those of you that are listening, go discover at least your why. You can just go to whyinstitute.com and and take the why discovery. I would recommend you do the why iOS discovery because you'll get your why, how, and what and your message. And then come back and listen to this again because you'll have a whole new perspective. On what we're talking about when it applies to you and when it's your why, how, and what. It really brings it all together for you because the why will give you like a one-dimensional picture of yourself. You'll learn a lot when you know we both have the why a better way, but when when we add our how and our what, you get a three-dimensional picture of yourself, and then it really helps you to message, to understand where you're going to find your passion. So, let's talk about passion for a minute. I don't know how much time we have, but If you're a parent, or you're somebody who doesn't know how to find your passion, if you know your why, and even better, your yos, if what you choose to do is in line with your why, you will have passion for what you do. So put Robert in a place where he gets to find better ways all the time. He gets to share better ways all the time.
1: How will you feel about that, Robert? Uh, I mean, that, that that led me to my, and I was going to say that actually led me to my writing, right? So why did I start? I started writing about the things that we were doing within our organization with our people that were really working. I didn't want to keep them to myself. I wanted to make sure that, you know, everyone else knew about them. And so that's that's the stack for me, right? So so find a better way and share it. That's the core. If I figure out something, I want to share it. That, then it's the contribution. So contribute it to other people. But the way I realized how I did it was was actually clarity. So my writing and the Friday forward, if you think about what people write in response, it's you took this complicated thing and made it really simple for me to understand and therefore it made an impact and therefore I'm going to go do something different. And I confuse the what and the how, so you'll have to tell me which one is which in that. But But that for me was so clearly to see my stack, which is I want to figure out how to make something better and share it. I want to make a contribution. The way I do it is to get it into a framework that basically makes it accessible for people or understandable in a way that it wasn't before. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The Pay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash elevate.
0: Is it more important for you that it's clear or that it's simple?
1: I think it's clear.
0: Yeah. Okay. So your why is better way. Your how is clarified, just like me. And then your what is contributed. So why you do it is to find a better way and share it. How you go about doing that is by making it clear and understandable. And ultimately, what you bring is a way to contribute, add value, and have an impact in the lives of others.
1: Yeah. I've got you know the clarity and simplicity can be overlapping, but it's not. It's not that it's simple. I think it's that I always talk about like I have to get something into a framework. Like the whole elevate book happened when I figured out, oh, these are the four steps or kind of like your archetype. Like like so I do think it's the the clarity. And if I think I am not understood in that concept, then people will get the very long email from me. But I don't, but normally I write the one sentence email because that's much more efficient. Like I write the shortest emails in the world normally except when someone is not understanding and then my emails get longer, longer.
0: <laughs> so your why how and what are your decision making process it's yeah. got to be better it's got to be clear it's got to make an impact
1: it makes an impact because it's clear it's a me- and when i again i when i think about the writing people will say you just you put this in such a way that You know, I understood it. It was addressable. Like, that's the feedback where I would be like, oh, it worked, right? You know, the the fill your, whatever the fill your bucket is.
0: So if we put you in a place where you're able to share better ways, make them clear and understandable so that they have an impact, how will you feel about that?
1: I'm great. And and I'm sure you feel this way too. When you put me somewhere where there's no impact, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. None of it makes sense. I just, I can't do a repetitive job. Some people love, probably maybe make sense. Some people love like, or simplicity, maybe they they like repetitive and consistency would make them feel good. It makes me not, it's not good. I'm the person to build the process, do the thing and then hire someone to run it.
0: Yeah. Yes. So for the listeners, when you know your YOS, if you get to live it, you're going to love it. If you don't get to live it, you can do it but you're going to run out of energy. So the energy level will just go down, down, down until you're like, I got to stop this. So if you want to find your passion, you want to find your purpose, you want to find your direction, you want to know what you should be doing, discover your YOS and then see if what you're thinking about doing or currently doing is in line with that. And if it isn't, it's not going to work long-term for you. If it is, jump in full speed and go because you're going to love it. You're going to yeah, have passion. You point. alluded
1: to this, right? It's the ultimate decision-making rubric. Like, yep. where should I focus? You know, why should I do something? Is it worth my time? I, I'm curious too, and, and we talk about these things run deep. You know, um, a lot of the stuff's probably visible from from childhood. Like, what were some early signs if you think back that you were a better way? Why or do you know where it sort of came from?
0: Yeah, you know, so that that's a great question. Uh, if this was an audience that, you know, the live audience, somebody by now would have raised their hand and asked this question, is your why God given or is it environmental? Everybody, every time somebody asks, and I always answer it the same way, which is yes, because I don't know. I'm not sure. How can I prove it? Right. I, so if if what I say is going to upset half of the audience, no matter what I say, right. If I say, oh, it's God given well, the other half's mad. If I say, oh, it's environmental, the other half's mad. So, I've learned, don't answer that question because it doesn't matter. All that yeah. matters is that you know what it is so you can use it in your life. But yes, I can go way back to where I think about please, trying to please my dad by coming up with better ways to do the chores that I had to do. And if I found a better way, he was very excited about it. And if I just did it the same way, he didn't even say anything about it. So hmm. I know trying to please him was a big thing for a little kid, and I found how to do it, and I kept doing it. and if I kept finding better ways, I kept getting praise for it. But was it was I born that way? I don't know.
1: yeah, my That's mom used very... to say she'd ask me to go clean my room, and she'd come up an hour later, and it was rearranged or repainted or anything but but cleaned and and I actually, when she moved, she brought over she had saved all my report cards and when I was a kid, and there was this one from preschool. And it was like someone had written a 360. I mean, it was like we asked him to play these games and he really kind of wants to do his own thing and something different. Like I wasn't really good at following instruction in the color line at school. So there was a one paragraph about how I interacted with peers or the feedback or something like that. And, you know, it said Bobby or something like that. I actually changed just the wording of my name to not give it away. And at the company event, I shared like some 360 feedback that I had received in my last or with my leadership team with my last, you know, the last thing. And I read it. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that totally sounds like him, sounds like something would say. And then I actually went to the picture of the, it was written when I was five years old. And so, you know, cause I was showing about how a lot of this stuff is, I mean, it was really, I mean, this person deserves some award for her assessment of, of that. But what they didn't do in fifth grade, and I think this is the problem for a lot of people in a traditional system is they didn't say it's kind of the answer is get with the program a lot of time to better ways, not, oh, with someone like this, here is the environment that we should put them in. We should give them creative stuff and not rules. And I think if you are able to understand this, you know, early on for kids, then you'd you'd actually want to change their, you know, take them out of the standard program and say, no, no, you know, Gary's going to be more successful if you let him do this or so and so is going to be more successful if you let him learn in this way.
0: We're currently doing that. As a matter of fact, uh, right before I got on the, this call with you, we're working with an entire city school system. Wow. We started with the uh, the leadership team, You know, the principals, all the uh, assistant principals, and then we're gonna go to the uh, teachers, and then we're gonna go to the students. So we had 91 leaders, we're going to uh, 1,600 teachers and then 16,000 students. And so we'll be doing that over the next couple of months. Because I think back, how valuable would it have been to know that you have a gift? Would it be valuable? Think about this, Robert. Would it be valuable for a high school girl to know that she has a gift and what her gift is before she starts to date, before she picks a career, before she picks a school, before she picks a spouse, to know herself at that level? Think of what we could do and the, de, you know, the decisions they would make or not make if they just knew.
1: I yeah, didn't know. The question know. is, I'm I'm curious, you know, these are not Montessori schools, or I'm curious whether these schools, knowing that, are willing to give the flexibility, you know, that then, yes, they could know it, but then the environment, you know, you tend to do better in an environment that reinforces, you know, the strength, Um yeah, that's very interesting. You are also I, I, one example on the nature versus nurture. Just going back that we talked about this before. Having done this a lot, watched Jamie do it rigidly in the day. I, I, what I learned was the trust one people trust. Why it seems to generally be a, a negative violation. I've seen some positives where someone was trusted a lot, but generally, so it's interesting because when we're not sure if someone is trust or something else, and and you know you ask them. That question about, is it dead to you or otherwise? I, I've often found, I said, look, I'm not going to ask you what it is. I don't know what you, but did you have a violation of trust early in your life? And I would say in 95% of the cases, their eyes well up. You don't have to answer, but, but it's clearly. And then when they understand, we're able to connect that to a leader and say, I remember specifically a discussion that trust is your why. And you have basically put these three people on your team in a penalty box. That they don't know that they're in because they missed the deadline. They came two minutes to the meeting. If you come late two minutes to my meeting, I don't care as long as you brought a good idea with you, right? So, <laughs> it, it, it then communicating it to the people and say, look, you can do a lot of things on my team, but missing deadlines and being late is not one of them. It's super helpful for those people to know how to work with that leader and how to manage up, you know, correctly.
0: So let's talk about that for a minute, Robert, because. Your why is housed in the limbic part of your brain. So there's, if we broke your brain down into two parts, the neocortex and the limbic brain, the neocortex, the outer part of your brain, if you were to draw two big circles on your piece of paper right now, and the outer circle would be the neocortex, the inner circle would be your limbic brain. The neocortex can understand rational and analytical thought and language. What that means is it can understand lots of data, facts, figures, features are all understood at the level of the neocortex, But it doesn't drive behavior. Decision making doesn't happen there. The inner part of your brain, the limbic brain, that's the part that's responsible for feelings like loyalty and trust. 100% of decision making happens at the level of limbic brain, but it doesn't have the capacity for language. So we buy things because they feel right. And then we justify
1: it with the fact that you trust the person that's selling it to you, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so The why is housed in the limbic brain, in the inner part of the brain that doesn't have the capacity for language. So the only way that we could access it, and this is is what Robert's talking about, the only way we could access it was through stories. So I would have people tell me lots and lots of stories, and we would look for this pattern. And so when we got to the why of trust, you could see if we went far enough back that they had a violation of their trust by somebody very important to them. Yeah. If we look at the why of makes sense and we go back in time for them, you can it's predictable that they had to grow up really fast because something happened where they had to become the adult at like age five, six, seven. You, you and I very both probably good.
1: heard the same story about someone who realizes makes sense because he had an alcoholic father and he would come home and at a young age, he had to figure out how drunk was he? Do I have to distract them, get them away from my mom? Do I have to go out like that? that it just forced them into that, that zone at a very young age of needing to process a situation and figure it out quickly. quick, Quick, yeah. quick.
0: Tony Robbins, same thing. When you hear his story, it's exactly that. Everyone that I have on my podcast that has the why of makes sense, I'll ask them that question. They'll, they'll say, well, how did you know that? Even this gal who was from a Mormon family and I was nervous about asking her that question because I knew she came from a Mormon background. And I said, "You know one of the things with people that have the why of makes sense is oftentimes they were forced to become a, an adult at a very, very young age." And she goes, "Well, how did you know that?" And I said, "Well, what you know, do you want to talk about it?" She said, "Well, I had four brothers and sisters that were older than me, and I had three that were younger than me, and I was right in the middle. So from the age of ten on, I was the mother." to my younger sisters. My parents would leave for months, leave me with money. I had to feed them, bathe them, uh, go to the store. I was the mom at a very, very young age. Wouldn't, you know, it's just very, very predictable. Everything that, that Robert and I are talking about now is very predictable. You just see it over and over and over. And that's what happened when I heard all these stories, it just kept coming up the same thing over and over and over. And that's where the nine whys came from. And the wording in the definitions of the the characteristics, the challenges, that all came from what I heard, but not from me interpreting it. So if you and I, Robert, went to go to have lunch and you order a hamburger, then I said, hey, Robert, how's your hamburger? And you say to me, my hamburger sucks. I said, well, it doesn't sound like you like it very much. You'd say, no, that's not what I said. I said, it sucks. And I said, oh, okay." So I use the actual words that people said to in those descriptions, and that's why it resonates yeah. because it's not a vanilla-sized version of it. Does that make sense?
1: That makes sense. Yeah, it, it's complicated. And yeah, to what you were then saying about the school system, I, I think, again, there's knowing your why. And then in the teams that you work with, which I think is your partner or your family or whatever, like it's going to really help to know that. I mean, I can't tell you how much we've used that the language over the years or explain to someone else, you know, someone's literally fighting with someone and I'm like, well, and I'm like, what's his why? What's her why? I'm like, look, this is why I think you're just coming at this from different, you know, angles. Um, When right way, people are pushed to make decisions they're not uncomfortable with, they like lash out. (laughs) Like you know, it's one thing I like. I've seen in, in in a corporate. Like, look, we we just gotta we gotta get them there. Like slowly, we gotta you know give them the facts and let them determine it's the right thing to do. In a team dynamic, I think it's really it's very predictive of interpersonal communication and style issues. It demystifies it, right? Yeah. You
0: So in in events where, where I speak at, I put somebody's picture up on the screen. Usually I'll start with like Steve Jobs and then Oprah Winfrey, but then I'll put the leader of their organization's picture up on the screen. And what happens is we create a narrative around what we think we see. You look at their hair, their way they're dressed, their earrings, their you know, all kinds of different things. And we create a narrative. Hey, yeah. well, that's who that person is based on what I'm seeing. But then when I put next to their picture what their why is oh, we got a little piece here. Now we start to see what we're looking at. Then when I add their how, oh, this is how they go about doing it. And then when we put their what, oh, this is what we can count on from them. It strips away all of the stuff that we think we see and it brings forward the reality of who it is that we're talking to. You get rid of the story and you get to the reality.
1: And also you can, look, there are a lot of different things out there and I know people like them. I always struggle with the Myers-Briggs or things where you're like, I got to pull out my index card to remember you know, what we're talking about. People love Enneagram, but I've always struggled with, it's just too complicated and less. Yeah, but it's just super easy to remember. Oh, I'm talking to a make sense person. I'm talking to a better way. Like it it just, you know, I've heard some companies, I think it was Vail Resorts. They put people's strengths on their desk as colors or they put the stuff like these systems don't work if they're not easily accessible and rememberable. And and again, you don't, I, I don't have to pull out a chart, an acronym chart to remember, you know, what thing I'm talking about.
0: And, and on that note, let me just add one more thing. There is some great assessments out there, like you mentioned Myers Briggs, Colby, Strength Finder, Disc. Those, and there are a whole bunch more, those are how you take action, not why you take action. Yeah. When you look at just the how, then you kind of go from how to how to how to how. But when you see that how from the perspective of their why, it makes sense. Right. Those, so so much those more are your sense. mode of
1: operation. But if you're trying to understand why they're operating in that mode, and you want to connect with them, then you're you're taking it a level a level deeper.
0: And so at the beginning, what we were talking about is this is the first step in self awareness. Start with the why. The how makes a lot more sense. Start with the how, and then you're going to go from how to how to how. So just start with the whyos, but go ahead and use Colby or Strength Finders or DISC or any of those to add more depth to how people yeah. take action. Yeah. Just make sure you start with their why, and it'll come together so much easier, like it has for you. I mean, I know you guys, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe this. It's part of your fabric of how you guys communicate,
1: right? Uh, yeah, I think it's particularly at the leadership level. And this was the thing for years, people would say, oh, can, you know, because we do it at these offsites and go through the the process, the interview process. And uh, for years, people were like, we hear this is great. And we're like, we just can't really do it for 200 people because they're not. An assessment, and I know we'll, we'll tell people where to go. But now that there's an assessment, like I'll, I'll tell people, "Oh, go jump on and take this if you want to." If you want to understand, so that that's been the big difference is that as much as we loved it at the higher levels of leadership with people coming in and coming out, it was just was too hard to. We needed people together and, and in distributed organization. You know, it was hard to, to do that work. So that's been a that's been a big a better way improvement.
0: Yeah. Now it's software based. Now I can do it with a hundred thousand people at a time. I mean, we can do, we have big, uh, you know, um, Oh, pharmaceutical companies that have a hundred thousand employees that do it. And so it's much different than when we first started, you were fortunate that you got to learn the process right up front. And
1: and food just comes out of the kitchen, but I I know how it's made.
0: (laughs) Exactly. All
1: right, Gary. Well, I know, I know we could talk about this for, for hours, but, um, We'll bring it to a close here and, and then let people know where to look. I, I, this is a question I'm, I'm curious to the answer of this, maybe is informed by your why or not, but what's a personal and professional uh, mistake that you learn the most from?
0: Well, uh, I think the, they could go together because my mistake was letting it ride and going, living life by default. I didn't know how to make a decision. I didn't know how to find my own lane. I didn't know how to find my passion. I just didn't know and I let it ride and I just went, lived life by default and kind of wherever the wind took me, that's where I'm gonna end up. It wasn't intentional. I didn't know how to make a decision, which which led to discovering the whys, discovering the nine whys, creating all of this. I didn't start out. If you'd asked me, Robert, Five years or ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years that I would be bringing the Y and the YOS to the world, not a chance that was going to happen. And so the mistakes that I made led led me to where I went. So I can't. I don't know if I want to call them a mistake, but I definitely did not even. I just live life by default. That was not. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. I got lucky because I picked a career where I could make a good income as a dentist. But what if I had picked something else where I couldn't make much of an income to have the ability to think? Then where would I be? Right. I just happened to pick something I knew was going to give me a good lifestyle. All
1: right. Well, Gary, where can people go if they want to learn more about you, work, take the assessment? uh, Where should they go?
0: Yeah. So go to whyinstitute.com, W H Y institute.com. There's the Y discovery, and then there's the Y O S discovery. If I were you, I would just take the YOS discovery because it's going to give you every, it's not expensive. We've kept the cost down so that anybody can do it, but you're going to learn so much about yourself that it's going to really help you with the clarity, the confidence, the certainty to be able to make decisions, find your passion and get on the right path. If you're not already, and if you are, it'll give you the words to share it with your team. And if you're the visionary, it'll give you the words to build your messaging, marketing and branding. So, and if you want to connect with me, you can look, you know, of course, I'm in all the social media areas, LinkedIn, probably the most, but we do have uh, Instagram and some of the other social media channels as well.
1: All right. Well, Gary, uh, thanks for joining us and explaining all things why it's always a pleasure to, to talk with another better way why.
0: Yeah, Robert, thanks for having me man. I loved it. You spoke my language the whole
1: time. Couldn't have been better. Uh, You can learn more about Gary and the Y Institute on the episode page at robertblazer.com. If you enjoyed today's episode with Gary or the Elevate podcast in general, I'd really appreciate if you could leave us a review as it helps new users discover the show and great content like you heard today. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, all you need to do is select the library icon, click on Elevate, scroll down to the bottom, and you can leave a rating or review in seconds. Uh, Thank you again for your support. And until next time, keep elevating.